Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to the Commentarians. Is this Prairie Home Companion? Husband Bulge is now a part of my permanent vocabulary. <laughs> I saw a squirrel. I am going to point out real quick, this to me is like the most disturbing scene in the entire movie. Stop listening right now and go watch Firefly. Hey, this is my podcast. I'm sorry, sorry, Joe. <laughs> We are saying that not only have we been wounded, we survive, and there's a God who heals of these wounds. Jesus isn't about the isms. Uh, he's about his kingdom. Because it is kind of like this idea that Jesus died for all of our sins, except when you had sex. And Jesus doesn't cover that. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to The Commentarians, a... Uh, a podcast where I invite a friend over to watch a movie with me, and we discuss it as we watch. Uh, this week, this month uh, is no different. I have a, uh, a an amazing person on, a author, writer, all around wonderful person, uh, Gina Delfonso. Hi. Oh, now I'm afraid I'll never live up to that. <laughs> but thank you very much. <laughs> well, you are you are an author and a writer, aren't you? <laughs> I am. I am so an author you... and a writer. Yes. Yeah, and uh, so just to get, let the audience know a little bit about you, uh, you have uh, been published in The Atlantic and Christianity Today, First Things, National Review, The Weekly Standard, uh, among others, and you just released a book a few months ago, One by One, Welcoming the Singles in Your Church. Uh, what, what inspired you to write that book? Oh, um, well, it really grew out of my own experiences and those of a lot of people that I knew who were, you know, single in the church and uh, wanted sort of wanted to let the rest of the church know what this experience was like and what we, some of the things we need from them and some of the things we have to offer them. Yeah, because uh, it, it's not like a like a lot of other uh, sing books about singles about why are so many people single or why are, you know... I mean, it touches on that a little bit, but it's mo mostly just discussing what the church can do to uh, to better serve this uh, kind of neglected group of people in, in in the in the church. Right, and to help explain a little bit why that's so important and um, why the church all needs to work together instead of uh, paying a lot more attention to one demographic than to the other. Right. Uh, so tell us about yourself. Uh, where are you from? I am here in Springfield, Virginia. Mm. Um, I grew up all over the place, but uh, this is where I live now. And I, um, my day job is at the Colson Center uh, as editor of Breakpoint.org. Nice. Uh, were you born? Were you raised in the church? Did you, did you come to the church later in life? Uh, or would you say you're? Well, yeah, I grew up in the church. My parents were actually uh, former Catholics, yeah. uh, became, you know, born-again Christians uh, shortly before I was born. And then uh, we, they sent me to Catholic school for a few years, so we went to the Catholic church that went with the school. And then after that, we moved, and then we started going to a Lutheran church, and then we moved again, and we started to go to a non-denominational <laughs> church. So it was a bit varied. Yeah, so it was kind of like, a, you know, a little a step down from the Catholic church, and then, like, uh, it's a little go-between when you... <laughs> when Something you, like that, yeah, yeah. When you go to a Lutheran church after a Catholic but, church. But now I actually attend an Anglican church, so... Oh, I've fun. I've really been all over the place. 
All right. Um, yeah. So let's see. Mm, where should I take this? Uh, okay. So yeah, uh, let's just get get the movie started, and we can actually discuss more about uh, about you and get to know you while we watch the movie. I think there's going to be plenty of time okay. <laughs> in between the films. So, uh, so uh, listeners, uh, the way that this works is, is as I explained in previous uh, recordings. Uh, we're gonna count down from three, two, one, and then press and then press play, and that's when we're gonna play. You don't necessarily have to be watching the movie with us, uh, but uh, you know, if you'd like to, uh, we'll be describing a little bit about what's going on in the screen, and so that you know that you're, uh, you know, in tune with us. Uh, so let's get started here. Uh, I got my remote here. Uh, three. Oh, geez. Completely forgot to mention, of course, you already know this because you saw it in the commentary and uh, the description. We're watching Old Fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry about that, guys. Okay, uh, this is uh, the first episode we're recording, so I'm still a little rusty at it. Okay, but <laughs> we're, we're about to press play. Uh, three, two, one, play. Okay, we see the Pure, Fli- Pure Flix logo coming up. Mm-hmm. Splash of light there. Now, just uh, wavy water. Blackout. Typewriter. Spins. Typing. Okay, I think <laughs> that's good. Okay, anyway. Uh, this movie is directed by uh, Rick Swartzfield. Uh, oh, geez. Swartzwelder. Uh, it also stars him. Uh, he also produced it and wrote it. So, uh, well, I, gu- I guess that's something to... to to mention, when you're a writer, a director, and the star of a movie, it kind of gets a little difficult to know what to cut out. Is that something well, that? Yeah, I, I guess I guess that's true. A lot of it probably de- depends on your level of expertise um, and creativity and and all those things. I mean, you get an Orson Welles. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Well, even Orson Welles, though, towards the end of his career, he wasn't so good with the cutting, I understand. But, like, you get a Gene Kelly who was able to cut things. Right. um, Even his own solos sometimes without, um, you know, because it helped the flow of the movie. Right. So it... It, it sort of depends on the on the writer director star. Some some people can do it. Some people can't. Yeah, um, I I think because like for example, a Judd Apatow who writes and directs a lot of his own movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, his movies are pretty long, and I think that yeah, it, it like even that's a secular example of uh of somebody who really should probably leave the editing to somebody else, or. You know, or at least like you know, maybe maybe he'd be better directing somebody else's work. But if you're yeah. too close to it, I mean, it's hard for you to cut something out. You know? Yeah, that that uh, I I imagine that's a factor. Um, but but there are probably there may be more than one factor. I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe the person is too close to it, or maybe he just doesn't have a good eye for that sort of thing. There's probably a number of factors that go into it. Right, he doesn't have the talent for it, for example. He just <laughs> To be blunt. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, because I remember Cameron Crowe uh, once said that uh, he once had to cut a scene he loved from his movie. I think it was Jerry Maguire. Mm. And he said that he loved the scene and he didn't want to cut it, but he ended up doing that to make his movie better. 
And he said that that's when you know you're a real director, when you're willing to cut something you love to improve the whole movie as a, you know, to improve the movie as a whole. And the exact same thing goes for writers, you know. We have to learn to to cut all all our favorite parts. And it's the hardest, one of the hardest things to learn. But once once you've gotten into the habit, Mm -hmm. it almost becomes second nature. And you're glad you learned because it helps so much. It helps your work. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so... Uh, here we have, I think, the adorable, uh, <laughs> what's her name, uh, Elizabeth Ann Roberts. I think mm-hmm. she's probably the standout of this movie. I agree. I, I thought, uh, she, ha- having, uh, <laughs> we're giving away that we've already seen the movie once yeah. before. But, <laughs> yes, of uh, course. Yeah, I, I, um, I thought she did an excellent job. So, yeah. uh, I, I, I looked up her credits and noticed that she's, She's got quite a bit of uh, TV experience, mostly. So, and it mm-hmm. shows. It shows that she knows what she's doing. Yeah, and so uh, I kind of okay. This might be. I know that uh, we have our criticisms about this movie. For some reason, I really like the intro. I really like the uh, the film strip, the old silent movie film strip introductions to these characters. I thought it was kind of a clever touch. That's now. now I'm gonna. Um... I'm going to have to dissent a little bit on that because while I do like the look of those old film strip kind of things, uh-huh. I wasn't quite sold on the way he used them here. I, I thought I didn't know that they quite fit somehow. I'm not sure why. I don't know. It, it's like, I, I think the intro is pretty well shot as mm-hmm. far as like, you know, the look of it and the, the use of color and everything. Yeah. But, and, and I also liked the old, the look of the old film strip thing, but I just didn't know if the two quite went together. No, that, I, that's just sort of a, a gut reaction. I haven't really thought it through fully. No, no, I get that because it really doesn't come up ever before. It's almost like kind of trying to give more old fashioned imagery yeah. to the film. And I get, right, it doesn't right. come up before it doesn't come up again. And so it's kind of, yeah, yeah I could see why you think why it might uh, be, yeah, maybe if they had just done that title like that and not the character names, maybe I would have gone for it more. I'm not sure. Right, right. Or, or maybe if they just done like a little sequence with that and then gotten into the movie. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a personal thing. Here, personal we, see, here we see the first uh, uh, doorway scene. Uh, there, there are many of them. Where <laughs> the he, first of many, yes. Yeah, <laughs> that he doesn't cross the threshold. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so I guess I, I, I'm kind of confused, and I guess we can talk about this a little bit more in more detail later on. Kind of confused in what the point of the movie was, what what message it's trying to. Because so I guess we're we're going to talk about uh, you know courtship a bit, and mm-hmm. you know uh, Clay's philosophy. Yeah. So and they're establishing that right out of the gate. Right. And so yeah, so. You know, he's let, telling her exactly what he believes. He will not be in the same room with a woman that's not his wife when they're alone. And I have to tell you, from a woman's point of view, this is just a little bit creepy. Because, yeah, like, like she's saying, you know, it, it's it's just... I don't know. It, it just starts you off with, like, a weird feeling about this guy. And and this is something that, that continues, you know, that they... they 
sort of work throughout the movie to mm-hmm. establish him as the one who's different from everybody else and everybody thinks he's weird. And I think the filmmakers think that they're make they're making this a positive thing. They're right. making you get on his side and I'm not so sure it works the way they want it to. Also, I just want to point out that Stress Boy is a really stupid nickname. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I know. cannot imagine how they came up with it. Uh, yeah, but it, it seems like that earlier. So no, just weighing in on that. No, no, totally. It seems like the first idea they had and they just went mm-hmm. with it. Like, it was, like, a first draft idea. Yeah. Like, she has yeah. to come up with, like, a clever name to describe him, and they just never changed it. And it's it just, it's weird. It's a weird thing to call somebody. Yeah. So, and here you have the, uh, you know, the bros hanging, like, you know, the bros dialogue. <laughs> it's, it's I, yeah, I, I think it's uh, really hard for Christians to write good bro conversation. <laughs> yeah. So. Although... It's interesting that you say that. Um, I may want to hold this thought for later on, but um, when we get more into the shock jock guy, Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting that some of his dialogue kind of rings uncomfortably true, but we should probably hold off on that until we get there again. Because I actually want to talk about that uh, very specifically. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. we'll we'll wait on that. Yeah. yeah, so the, here we have uh, friends, and again, establishing the uh, Lucky Chucky is his name, <laughs> uh, Clay's friend who from the college days. Clay, obviously a brand new person, uh, found Jesus and changed, uh, and his friend, his other friend, uh, grew up, not necessarily found Jesus, but, you know, just isn't as immature as Lucky Chucky. And we have Lucky Chucky here talking to a girl who he apparently slept with and is now moving and he never told her. Mm-hmm. So again, uh, you know, I, I would say that that's really not uh, unfair to, to paint non-believers this way, people of the secular world this way. But this guy in particular, I, I like you said, kind of rings true in how guys are and put this, this type of guy in particular. Right. This type of guy. Yeah. Right. It, it they they do take a a sort of very specific type, and um. And, and they sort of do have a feel for for that type and like the way he would talk and so forth. Right. Um. But then this guy, uh, what is his name? I can't remember his name. Their other friend. Uh, let me pull um, up his. Friend number three. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. Uh, I can't David? remember names. Um. I think his name is David. David. Okay, thank you. Yeah, he strikes me as an interesting sort of like they they aren't going for the, you know, all all non-Christians are awful stereotype right. because they actually have this nice guy. He he is like living with his girlfriend and they have kids and everything, but he is actually a, a faithful and committed guy. So that they, they have struck a sort of balance there. Right. Okay, and here we have uh the first uh, you know, I guess the the first broadcast of Lucky Chucky that the audience gets to hear, uh, really nasty stuff that he's saying. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of the nickname, by the way? The, uh, it, I can't make up my mind it, about it that. It is awful. It is. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I kind of was thinking, I, I kind of was leaning in that direction too. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, I listen to a lot of uh, comedians podcasts, and they talk about mm-hmm. how they go to like morning zoo uh, cities. 
And yeah, they have these weird, bizarre names. Uh, in mm-hmm. California, in Southern California, we have uh, K Rock, the world famous K Rock, and the Morning Guys are is called uh, they're called uh, Kevin and Bean. And I, so I don't know where Bean came from, but that's a strange name for somebody. Not from Rowan Atkinson, I'm yeah, guessing. Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> anyway, I guess there are a lot of weird DJ or or um, talk radio names out there, yeah. whatever. But like, get getting into this conversation with her just there, you know, where, where he. He's talking about stupid women, and he's instantly, you know, talking about her weight and stuff like that. That right. that does ring true for that kind of guy, that yeah. um, that bro, that men's rights guy, whatever you want to call him. There, there are different different labels, but yeah, yeah. The, you, you do. And the, this whole thing, you know, putting down nice guys and saying that girls don't go for them, all this sort of thing. This does ring very true, unfortunately, because you do get some of that in the media and online these days. So um, they, wherever, wherever they got their idea for this guy, they do make him sound, I, I mean, aside from like really filthy language, which he's not using, but they right. do make him sort of come across realistically. Right. Uh, and again, like I, I, I will say uh, <laughs> when I was younger, before I became a Christian, uh, I got cheated on by two girls in a row. Oh. And I became very, very angry. And uh, there was a guy on the radio called Tom Likas. And again, I would if we, I would totally say that this guy is horrible. They like I can't believe they portrayed non-believers this way. But that's exactly how this Tom Likas guy spoke. Mm, and yeah. it was incredibly similar. And he'd say horrible things about women. And he'd say that like stuff like. Don't go out with if a woman hasn't slept with you by the third date. Don't go on a fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, she because you know just get rid of her because she's just using you for your money. Uh, <laughs> she he, he says uh, don't spend more than forty dollars on a date. Uh, he, he it's he yeah it's just really horrible kind of uh, advice he would give guys because guys don't like ni- women don't like nice guys is the. Uh, what yeah. they say, uh, and I felt I, I I listened to him. I followed uh, some of his advice. Uh, it, you know, it, it and I you know it's embarrassing now looking back on it. And I realized that yeah, women did like me more when I stood up for myself, when I was a little bit more aggressive. And mm-hmm. as I grew, I realized well, it's not that women liked that I was a jerk. It was that I had more confidence. I, yeah, I See, was that, able that's to the stand thing. up for myself. That's the thing. Um, the line between aggressiveness and confidence—it's it, a hard line to find sometimes. I think, and and I would agree that women are attracted to confidence, but there are voices like the the guy you're talking about and the guy in the movie who try to push, who 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 find an audience and who try to push their audience over that line mm-hmm. into full blown arrogance. And unfortunately, sometimes it, it works, but. Um, yeah, I mean, some guys outgrow that, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you were saying, and uh, some guys just stay stuck in that, and it, it's unfortunate. But again, I I never dated like good women. Like there were women that I was like, you know, they were really nice and they were flirting and they liked me. And then once I pulled out that garbage, like they're like, I'm not putting up with this. Like you know, screw you. I'm not I'm not dealing <laughs> with you. And then I'd have to find women who were. You know, unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, emotionally damaged, maybe. 
And yeah. that's, it, it sounds like it's sort of a cycle that keeps feeding feeding on itself. Right. And let me just say that, like, oh, yeah, I'm uh, going out with women with daddy issues. And, uh, you know, women are, you know, that's like the big thing is that women are crazy. I, I <laughs> had a lot of issues myself, which is why I was, you know, doing this, which is why I went along with this, because I had mm -hmm. issues with uh, self-hatred and low self-esteem. And, you know, again, so... It takes a real kind of damaged person to think that that's an okay way to treat people. Yeah, and the issues, the issues just sort of keep, I guess, growing. And like you have issues, you look for somebody else who has issues, and yeah. then the issues keep. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, yeah, because they're feeding off of each other. I mean, right, exactly. So this is, okay, this is uh, Clay's philosophy in action. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. And, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, well, okay, so the her, uh, Amber's stove broke, and she called Clay over to fix it. And he, you know, she's okay with standing outside. He brought her a blanket uh, for, while he fixes her stove. Now, and now, see, I don't find that terribly realistic. And I I, um, I think it's kind of, I, I'm sorry to keep using the word unfortunate, but that's what it is. It's yeah, kind yeah. of unfortunate it that they're setting Clay up as the foil to this really awful guy because what he is, what Clay is doing is not so great either. I mean, in the name of chivalry, chivalry yeah. chastity, all these other, you know, ideal things, he is kind of being a little bit of a stinker, making the girl stand out in the cold, yeah, exactly. you know, even with the blanket. Because um, it, it's just, it's sort of an unhealthy level of, if I stand close to you, you know, I'm going to pounce on you because I can't help it. Almost that sort of thing going yeah, on. Yeah. And uh, so while the other guy was doing unhealthy things, this is not exactly what I would call healthy either. Right. Um, and I should mention, oh, uh and he mentions right now that uh, half of all marriages uh, experience infidelity. Mm. Not, not, yeah, not, 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 not true. <laughs> I think it's, uh, I looked it up and it's about 13% uh, at the I'm most. I'm so glad you looked that up because I didn't think to. And it, it's nice to have a more accurate figure and right. a more encouraging figure. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, oh, there's a 50% chance I'm going to cheat on you. <laughs> I don't know where they got that. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know, because, I mean, theoretically, I mean, 50% of marriages do end in divorce, and I think that number is going down. I think that's an old, old number. I think mm -hmm. it's gotten much better since then, but uh, I'm, you know, not really sure, because there's different numbers, different parts of the world, you know, so it's hard to really quantify that, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know why they went for such a high number when it comes to infidelity. Yeah. Now, this was um, 2015, I believe, so two years old. Sure. And um, it's so interesting that they made a movie about courtship at this particular moment in time because, um, you know, the past few years, people have really been coming out and, and talking about the flaws in the courtship movement. And even Josh Harris has been saying, you know, 
you know, author of I Kiss Dating Goodbye has been saying, you know, we really took it too far. And so I, I, it makes me wonder, what was the inspiration for this particular movie at this particular moment? Like, are they trying to shore up something that's sort of falling apart? Right. Do they, did they not realize it's falling apart and they're really still promoting it? I, I'm not sure what's at work here. Right, because uh, at first, and this is uh, an interesting thing that I spoke to spoke about in the uh, in the introduction before uh, the, in the uh, coming attractions episode, but um, this this movie went up against Fifty Shades of Grey, and right. I thought that they said, oh, they when Sony announced the release of the release date of that movie, which would be Valentine's Day two thousand fifteen, that they rushed into production this movie to go against it. But no, the, mm. the the fact is that he's been work. He says he's been working on this movie for over ten years, and oh, really? trying I did to not get that. yeah, trying to get the funding, trying to get the writing done, trying to get you know just get it together, and yeah. So maybe this is like the first. <laughs> I mean, the reason why it came out when it did was because he was working on a courtship movie for before it even became an issue. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, and and that's the funny thing because Fifty Shades of Grey is a that 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 isn't it's it's a it's an unhealthy relationship in the yes. movie. Yes, the, very. Yeah, the way that it portrays the relationship between Christian Grey and uh, Anastasia Steele <laughs> is is really unhealthy for the both of them. They're really codependent. Uh, they're up, he has an obsessive, uh, you know, love for, uh, Anastasia, which begins, like, turns into, like, kind of a stalking situation, and it's mm-hmm. played for romance. And so this movie went up against it to kind of show chivalry isn't dead, we can treat women with respect, and I, I, you know, it's not like, again, I don't, I don't think that the writer understands how unhealthy this kind of this relationship is also. Yeah, it, it, it is a little disheartening, and, and um, I, I feel a little bit bad because, you know, the, the narrative we want to believe is that, yeah, there's Fifty Shades of Grey, and it's really bad, but Christian put out a movie that's really good and, and was an alternative and showed a better way to live, and I wish I could go along with that narrative <laughs> because it would be, you know, it would... It would uh, be a hopeful one, but that's not really what happened here because uh, this movie has some issues too, as we've been saying. Mm-hmm. But it thinks it doesn't, <laughs> so that's just kind of you know, it's it's kind of discouraging. And I, I wish, I mean, I don't mean to be a pessimist. I hope that uh, we could. I, I would hope that we could get better romances, maybe with Christian ideas implemented. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, I think this is just not not what the doctor ordered exactly. Yeah. Um, so okay, so he's talking about courtship and uh, what what do you okay? So I what do you think of courtship in general, like as a as a method of dating? Well, it sort of goes along with what I was just saying about the movie. It, it sort of parallels that. You know, it was mm-hmm. meant to be this this holy alternative. To right. the way that the world uh, dates, mm-hmm. and like so many of these things, I think it sprang out of a good impulse. Mm-hmm. Where I mean, a lot of the courtship advocates wanted people to understand that you can have 
um, a romantic relationship, a good and healthy one. And it doesn't have to be about sex. And you don't have to go out and sleep around in order to have a good romantic life. All these things that, um, you know, are good Christian messages that Christians needed to hear. But the courtship movement just took all this and made something really legalistic and rule-bound out of it with all these hoops that you had to jump through and all these ideas that were frankly outdated that don't work mm-hmm. in the 20th, 21st century. A lot of it was more cultural than scriptural, really. Right. And so, as you would think, they ran into problems with it. I, I, I feel really bad for this uh, this actress, the the redhead. Cause I, the girl with the short hair? The short hair, yeah, the pixie dream... Uh, dream oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. pixie cut because she is adorable i think she is I, I when i was watching this before i thought i would totally watch a movie about her she seems fun <laughs> yeah but i mean her acting just isn't there and oh man this is, <laughs> this <laughs> is the painful dance. the dancing is just painful so uh, <laughs> okay so oh and now we have sad women at the bar it's kind of <laughs> yeah. They're showing uh, sad women. There's they're in a bar hanging out. Uh, Amber is hanging out with her two girlfriends, uh, and yeah, there's sad women at the bar to kind of show. Sounds oh, like yeah. a painting. <laughs> by, yeah. by what's his name? Uh, that guy that used to paint people in diners or whatever. Oh yeah. Sad women at the oh. bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Because if you were to ask me to place a bet on on two couples, one that's doesn't spend time together alone in a you know in rooms together by themselves they don't make out uh you know there's no real kissing until marriage and another couple that you know makes out like their plane is going down whenever they get a chance (laughs) (laughs) who like you know the guy goes over to the girl's house to watch netflix or whatever and they're both christian if you were to like bet me or if i was gonna bet as to which couple would actually make it to marriage without having sex, I would say the courtship couple. I think that it's a safe bet. And I'm, I'm like, very liberal. I'm very much, I don't like the idea of, like, legalism, as they say. But let's be honest, I mean, it's probably, uh, of it, it, it's a good way to avoid, you know, issues that, you know, if, 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 if uh, adultery, not, not adultery, if fornication why am I using all these <laughs> like <laughs> like technical terms? If a, if if you're really trying to avoid you know f- having sex before marriage, it's it's not a bad road to uh, to take, don't you think? Well, <clears throat> I see your point, um, but I think part of the issue that sometimes gets overlooked is just the way that people get treated. I mean, yeah, that's, that's this this woman has to go out of her own apartment in the cold to wait in the dark, to wait for him to fix her stove or whatever it was, because he has this issue with even being in the same room with her. And at, at that point, they're not even dating. They're not even officially romantically interested in each other. It's just the fact that, Oh, you're a woman, go outside, you know, so, right. So there are. So, so that's the issue that's sort of you know on my mind here. Yeah. Um. I think uh, a mutual Facebook friend of ours. Uh. After 
the and you know to date ourselves as to when we're recording this a couple of months ago there was an article in the new yorker i think it was about mike pence's wife Mm-hmm. And how she said that, uh, the, you know, Mike Pence and her, they have the, they follow the Billy Graham rule, which is, you know, they don't have meals with people of the opposite sex that's unless their spouses are present. He doesn't drink at parties that she's not at. Uh, and, you know, he got criticism for it. I didn't think that there was anything really wrong with that. But uh, our friend wrote an article that said, they were like her and a guy were working on a project and they worked at a university and they were, they had to get to the other side of the, of the campus. And it was like a 15 minute walk. It was such a huge campus. And she Mm -hmm. offered to drive them both. And he said, well, I appreciate, I appreciate it, but I can't because, you know, I can't be in a car by the, you know, it's not wise for a man and a woman to be a car alone unless they're married or whatever. And she said, well, that's kind of admirable, but at the same time, like, he made it something that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. He, he brought that, that temptation up when there wasn't one before. Not that he created temptation, but I mean, like... He, it, he, brought, the, he brought the issue into the room. Right, sort of. when it was yeah. just a ride, mm-hmm. you know, that two people were taking, and... All of a sudden, he brings this up, and now it's like, oh, okay. So now it's like, you know, now we're dealing with this, <laughs> with, yeah. with this issue, and it, yeah, it's almost like it creates. I'm not saying again. I'm not saying it creates the temptation, but it it creates a, a you know, it brings up the topic when it's not, when it wasn't even there to begin with. Yeah, and and it's not that you shouldn't be careful. Obviously, you should be careful. Sure, but. Um... The, the whole thing has to do with seeing other people as people and not just like as a set of tempting body parts that you might be tempted to grab at any moment and you know right, have your way right. with. I, I, I'm putting that awkwardly, but you know, it, it's that that's how it ends up. It, it's almost like objectification sometimes. Like, um, yeah. it, and, and it's, it really makes things awkward where they shouldn't be. And sometimes it really causes, you know, it causes people to feel um, like they're being denigrated, like they're being looked down on. It, it, it just it causes a lot of complications. And, and I think I think the key is to just, you know, to, to have your own boundaries, to have your own limits, to be careful, but also to treat other people with respect and not make this huge deal out of every little interaction, because that sometimes just makes things more tempting, as you were saying. Yeah. And so, yeah, so, I, I, I don't know. Um, and, yeah, because I, I, one of my closest friends, uh, he, I, I don't know, I, I just know too many relationships that were dating relationships where they didn't fall into temptation, where they were careful, and and they, you know, was fine. And I know that there's a lot that aren't, that, you know, where things go wrong. But I don't know if that's... Um, if that's if if there's like you know like we were I think the point that you're making there isn't one solution for everyone's problem. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay, so uh, this is a, a birthday party that they're at. Uh, he, the uh, David, uh, what do we have? Uh, Clay, Amber, David, and his wife are hanging out uh, uh, after his a party. Girlfriend. Or his, I'm sorry, his, oh. his um. 
Oh, girlfriend. Yeah, I, no. I never know what to say. Girlfriend doesn't sound. They live together. She's the mother of his children. Right, right. They're not married. Yeah, and Which it's. Which becomes uh, a point later. That's why I bring it up. Right, and he is proposing. Yes, that, that's right. This is where he proposes. So, about to be his fiance. I can say that. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's like they have this conversation about how, like, well, we don't need to be married. We don't need to, uh, you know, make, we don't need a piece of paper to, you know, to prove that we love each other. And, yeah, I, I have friends like this. I have friends who, like, very specifically <laughs> make sure that they're, like, they're against the idea of marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Not for other people, but for themselves, uh, because they don't need it. And I, I find this really an interesting idea to put this in the movie. Yeah. Like yeah, like you were saying that this guy isn't a Christian and he's, you know, yet he's still a decent guy. And and they have they have a nice relationship. And um, yeah, I, I thought uh, I, I thought that was actually um, I mean, they, they got out of the. I don't need a piece of paper conversation <laughs> but pretty well. As a matter of fact, they got through that and they, they went ahead and they got engaged. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he, he mentioned something uh, earlier uh, when he, when uh, David and uh, Clay were playing basketball, mm-hmm. I, I, I found it really strange. It goes back to the, you know, 50% of marriages uh, and, you know, experience infidelity. Right. For he says that uh, in fact, you you know somebody more after uh, after after a, a job interview delivering pizzas than you do after your first date. Oh yeah. And that's why dating is bad. And I I don't know. That's really it's a strange kind of argument he's making. It's almost and considering that I I don't know what the again I don't know what the point of the movie is really really is. I don't know what where it lands necessarily. And, and to pick up on that point just a, a minute, um, a, another a, another character, I think a stock character you get in Christian films sometimes, which isn't such a good idea, is the guy who spouts facts. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> and, and, you know, not always accurate facts, as you were saying. Yeah. Um, and... You know, it, it's just something that Christian films have got to get away from if they really want to make films that everybody can enjoy and, you know, not just have it be a message movie or a sermon movie, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it just... There, there is still too much sermonizing going on. And as much as you hear uh, directors and writers and even sometimes critics say that, you know, the Christian movies have gotten better and they've gotten away from that, stuff they haven't gotten far away from enough away from it yet they they are still you know slipping into that habit and it, it's just it's not a good one because people don't do that people don't stand in the middle of the room and say did you know that 50% yeah. of America or whatever it's just life is not like that and if you want your movie to be lifelike then you got to get away from that yeah it, it, it's this idea it's or it's this issue that christian filmmakers haven't uh, figured out how to do and they're putting the message before the story because they yes, don't realize yeah they don't realize that if you just move the story forward the message will come out and your audience is they're not dumb they're smart people they can pick up on 
subtlety and nuance. That's right. And you don't need to hammer them over the head with your with your message. And if you have an alternate message that kind of questions whether the main character is doing something right or wrong, you know, it, you're not going to put the audience in danger. You're not, you're not endangering your audience by confusing them. They're, they're going to figure it out. Yeah, you got to trust them a little bit. Right. Or a lot. <laughs> or a lot, yeah, a lot more than they've been. Um, because it, a lot of a comparison that people make is Christian music. It's actually progressed and become more nuanced and more artistically you know, better than it has been before. And so a, a defense that people say is, well, Christian film is kind of new. So give them time to actually get better at writing and you know uh, acting and <laughs> editing and and all mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know I don't know if you need that time I think that good writing is good writing mm-hmm. and again they saying that well well these movies don't have a big budget a lot of great movies don't have big budgets that's right so yeah and yeah it's just I don't know quite how to put it into words but I guess um, it, it, easier said than done, you know, but I, oh, yeah. I would like to see good movies with Christian ideas sort of integrated into them rather than specifically Christian movies, which um, all which always seem to or are almost always seem to end up in this sort of stilted artificial world mm-hmm. that never quite rings true however close it gets it just doesn't quite get there i don't know that's been my impression from the ones that i've seen yeah that's a really interesting story that uh, clay's friend was telling uh and let me bring this up uh you know as much as we're uh criticizing this movie something that Mm -hmm. christian movies are doing well and i think they get poked fun at by uh secular uh you know uh, uh critics is that they are actually very diverse in their mm. casting, which yes, I have noticed that. Yes, yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, cr- secular movies get criticized. I mean, the, Hollywood is being criticized every year for not having enough, you know, uh, women of color, not having enough, uh, you know, women in, in directing roles or in you know acting roles, and you know, just people of color in general, and. Christian film actually does a good job of that. It does, yeah. So, you know, points for them. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and that is that is admirable. Yeah. This is an interesting idea that she has. She so now she's oh, you yeah. know, <laughs> she's trying to clog her sink so that Clay has to come over and uh fix it. Why does she like him so much? <laughs> That is an interesting question. Because <laughs> I, I understand, you know, if he was handsome and flirty, then maybe, yeah, I'd get like, you know, oh, I want him to come over and he's like, you know, what guy doesn't look good fixing, thing, fixing things around the house? But he's like literally pushing her away. <laughs> I know. This sort of brings us back to what, what we were saying a little while ago about the difference between the way we want the, the way that they want us to see him mm-hmm. and the way that he actually is because they they want they want him to be this guy who's sort of 
different and the difference makes him mysterious and intriguing and she's just going crazy because he's this mysterious and intriguing guy <laughs> and actually it just does not make him mysterious <laughs> or intriguing at all right. um if I really had to um, to put my finger on what I think she likes about him, I think she likes teasing him. I mean, that's generally what we see her doing is teasing him and making fun <laughs> of him, and uh, he sort of takes it. And so I guess maybe that's their thing. <laughs> but yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know if that's this, if that's really the vibe that we're supposed to get here, but it, that is the vibe that we get because that's what they're doing. Right. So maybe like, uh, oh, I don't really like him, but he has th these crazy rules, so I'm just going to, you know, just have fun, <laughs> you know, like uh, kind of playing yeah, with Yeah, something like that. Yeah, maybe. That that would make, that, that at least makes a lot more sense than, you know, he's, I, it's almost like he's telling her his philosophy to turn her away, to turn her off. And she just mm -hmm. keeps coming at him. So yeah, I guess maybe. Yeah. Now, now there is there is the whole you know, um, that that whole thing where we sort of are attracted to the people who push us away. I mean that that's sort of a stereotype, but I guess uh, there is some truth in it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that, um, that, that, that's very true. You know, <laughs> that, <laughs> that happens to some people. <laughs> at the juxtaposition of his image with Gary Cooper is just then because. Oh, yeah. uh, they want us to think that he's Gary Cooper. He's really not. <laughs> I'm sorry, he just really is not. But you know, but I I think maybe that's that's the not so subtle <laughs> idea they're trying to give us there. Hmm. And again, you know, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Please. I I was just thinking. Um, you know, I watch. Mystery Science Theater 3000 a lot. We were just talking about it before the podcast. Right. And um, a, a line I remember from an episode is never never show a good movie in the middle of your crappy movie, oh. <laughs> which, <laughs> which, see, which sounds a little odd, but it's sort of a good rule of thumb. Right. Because, you know, when they, they show uh, Frank Capra's Meet John Doe in the middle of this movie, as they just did, what it makes you do is compare. And like I said, you see that this guy is not Gary Cooper as much as they want you to, to as much as they want you to draw a parallel. Instead, you end up contrasting him because the, the whole idea of a persona, an image like Gary Cooper would project is that of a, you know, a nice, strong, silent guy who is sort of comfortable in his own skin and really, um, draws people to him just you know from the force of his character and that's not really who this particular guy is but you were going to say something no I, I was just saying uh speaking of that it's um uh yeah like uh, yeah uh, sorry you get a little oh wow she's having a lot of fun destroying her <laughs> destroying stuff around her house uh yeah uh, no but like you were saying john travolta that, that was brought up in this uh you know, people making fun of this John Travolta movie, where I guess he's a spy and he in in this action thriller, and he brings up Royale with cheese, which is something he says in Pulp Fiction, and mm -hmm. people were it's in the commercial, in the trailer for the movie, and people were saying, "Don't remind us of a great movie you were in in a really bad movie yeah. that you're in. It just yeah. is going to make your movie look a lot worse." And yeah, case in point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it it turns out to be. Um... 
actually kind of a, a really relevant principle. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I didn't I didn't know that, you know, when I first heard that line a long time ago, I, I didn't think it would be so applicable, but I, I guess it really is because I guess a lot of people try to draw comparisons between their movies and other movies that they really shouldn't draw right. because it backfires on them. <laughs> is, would this ever be romantic if if a guy is you know respects your body so much that he is uh, fixing stuff around your house while you sit outside under a blanket drinking hot cocoa? Or it just. It, is that the like whole... is that movie romantic? Like it's it's like really romantic to see in a movie, but in real life it wouldn't work. I don't think it works either way. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it just there that sort of like we must keep this barrier between us at all times, sort of thing. I mean, at some point you cross the line between you know being being careful and just being odd <laughs> for, yeah. for just being odd for oddness's sake almost um it just it's I, I don't know I, speaking from a woman's point of view i would feel a little bit um again objectified um not respected mm-hmm. I, I just you're, you're, it, you're, it would be you're, you're, and, and you know i wouldn't mind if he had like the idea that, you know, I I mean, I don't mind boundaries. I think boundaries are great. I'm all for boundaries, but this one is just a little weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying guys. I'm trying to (laughs) find positives in this movie, but (laughs) now I, I will say that maybe she feels because we, we do sort of find out that, you know, she is is in need of a feeling of safety and um, and for good reason, and he makes her feel safe. So I I, I will give him that much. He, he he, the boundaries and the rules make her feel like she's a little bit safe with him, mm-hmm. and you know that I I can see why that uh, would draw her a little bit, make her feel comfortable, that sort of thing. That that. There, there's sort of something that makes sense there. Yeah, I, and, and you know, it's not a bad thing to uh, to um, to make someone feel safe, especially after she's been through a lot. So, hmm. yeah, he does have that going for him. Yeah, uh, yeah. As they say right now, uh, she was literally. Yeah, yeah. This scene here, where where um, where we find out that she got out of an abusive relationship. You know, I think this is handled pretty well. Mm-hmm. And. Um, I, you know, he, he, uh, she feels comfortable telling him this story and he really feels compassionate towards her and, um, y- you know, it, that's handled pretty well. Yeah. Again, and, you know, I, I've heard that yeah. before that, uh, you know, I've like when a, when a girl's telling me or a woman's telling me about being hurt by a guy, he always says, I didn't mean to, to do that. Mm, yeah, you good know? point. And so that's yeah, I found that 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 was really well written. That yeah, mm-hmm. she said yeah, he broke you, so he broke your hand, and she's like yeah, but he didn't mean to, and she's not yeah. justifying it, but it is what abusers say. Yeah, you know, uh, so yeah, I, I thought I think that was one of the better written scenes in the whole movie. Just um, 
you know, the way that came out, the way he handled it, the way he listened. I I think that was, that was well handled. Mm. Oh, coupons now. Mm -hmm. Destroying more things. (laughs) (laughs) Getting to be a habit. (laughs) I I did think uh, getting the door off the hinges was maybe going a little bit far. (laughs) Yeah. That's the only thing keeping her and him from, uh, from, <laughs> from, there you go. from it, making it, God that's angry. Symbolism to it. So yeah, yeah, you're onto something there. <laughs> and now, yeah, she finally uh, at this point. Oh, again, door threshold scene. There's, mm-hmm. there's plenty of those, man. That it's just something to keep coming back to. Toe to toes. Occurred to me um, is that these a lot of these uh, movies, that these kinds of movies, they're very into the whole, um, you know. Well, they're into the courtship thing. <laughs> they're into the Christian thing, and and yet he base we basically have him dating an unbeliever or interested in dating an unbeliever, which is supposed to be the big number one no no. Right. <laughs> so, right. I, I wonder. I often wonder why they do that. Yeah, they do a couple of things like that. He's a Christian, but he doesn't go to church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that. And you know, and he and they don't really explain that. They just say the hypocrite club. Well, well they or... did get into that a little bit later on, but um, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think you're. Uh... But but then this whole. <laughs> I mean, this for the first date or the first courtship session or whatever whatever it is is just kind of cringeworthy <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> i mean you know you're 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 sitting at a desk and john mccain is handing you these red <laughs> red light yellow light green light <laughs> he just looks so much like john mccain yeah, he does. and it's just with, with a great big smile it's just like oh my gosh this is so awkward <laughs> uh and uh, yeah i mean this is because Again, the the whole idea of courtship is trying to figure out whether this person is going to be your wife. And mm-hmm. so with this book, this is they're starting their relationship. They are jumping right into it. Uh, you know, yeah. asking questions about kids, asking questions about you know, uh I don't it's just a strange like right off the bat. It's I, I don't know, it's uncomfortable. Oh, this scene they have Amber, for those not watching, they have Amber cutting up potatoes to feed a child to see if she can do it right. Oh, <laughs> I know. I mean, it's just so awkward. And I mean, the whole, as you say, it's this weird combination of sort of like trying to take things slow and jumping in with both feet. <laughs> <laughs> and again... And, and, Again, I I don't know what the what the philosophy necessarily is because it's almost like he has tremendous guilt about the person he was before. Mm-hmm. That's like his issue. Um, he is almost using this courtship thing to keep he, to keep her at a distance, to keep all women at a distance. Mm-hmm. And so, is courtship then a bad thing in this movie? Is that what they're saying, or? Is it a good thing, but he's using it wrong? Does and does he even grow? Because I, I I don't know. I I I think they just missed a lot in 
in this movie. That's a really good point. It, it is it is very fuzzy. The motivations are are very fuzzy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 just a strange, strange story that I I'm not sure what they're what we're supposed to come away from other than hey courtship's a good thing and uh, you know it, it it works. Which mind you, if you want to see real courtship, and I I invite everyone to uh, to check it out, uh, The Godfather. Mm-hmm. In the movie The Godfather. Um, I have no spoilers. Michael Corleone does something that gets him into a, lo- a big, gets him into big trouble, and he has to leave the country and go to Sicily, uh, the town of Corleone, where his father's from. Uh, and he meets a young woman, and he courts her. He asks her father, "Can I get to know your daughter?" And they get to know each other by walking around the city, the little small town while the parents follow behind <laughs> to make sure that there's no hinky panky or no nothing. They don't go out to eat without them. They don't do They just walk around for, you know, and, oh, and I wanted to make a point about this too, which I will, but that's like courtship. And it almost seems like this is dating. They are dating. They just have a few rules. I, I, I don't know how, I don't know what makes this courtship other than just those 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 few rules that you're adding to dating. Another good uh, movie to see uh, on that subject is um, The Quiet Man. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. With uh, that, that is an excellent movie in every respect. But um, John Wayne is back in Ireland, I think, where his ancestors were from, and he meets Maureen O'Hara, and uh, he wants to court her. And um, it's just this wonderful little film. And and the whole town is sort of in on this. And there's this wonderful little elderly guy played by Barry Fitzgerald who is riding them around in his wagon. And this is how they court. They they ride around in the wagon. They get to know each other. And Barry Fitzgerald is there to see that no hanky-panky goes on. It's just adorable. So that that would be another good one to check out. Let's watch that movie instead. (laughs) (laughs) Too late. We're already halfway through this one. <laughs> I know. Uh, an interesting little thing here is uh, he says nothing good happens after eleven. Uh, <laughs> I was always told that nothing good happens after two. <laughs> oh, okay. So, I, yeah, I, I don't know. After eleven, like, that's. I mean, that, that's not when the night's getting started, but it's certainly not the end of the night. Uh, but I guess that was back in my younger days. I don't see me being out <laughs> <laughs> that late anyway, so I don't know. And, yeah. The, the... And here we have uh, back at the flower shop where uh, Amber is uh, hanging out with her two friends. And they're going over the questionnaire thing, yeah. which is uh, understandably... Giving them some giggles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, 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 that death penalty question in a marriage. I don't. That's that's interesting. Yeah, you have to wonder how often that comes up. I mean, I, I, I guess you know there. Are, it, it sort of reflects certain values and, and ideas and things, but 
uh, it does, I don't know, it just does seem a bit much for the stage of the re- relationship. <clears throat> yeah, again, the, I, I understand that you're trying to to find um, uh, somebody to marry, but at the same time, you need to know whether you want to even delve into that. Because they're again, they're they're already saying, "I think I might want to marry you." That's essentially the, the decision that they've come to, mm-hmm. and that's why they're reading this book. You know, I, I find that really strange. Again, again, I can't. There's no other way to to say it. It's really weird. That they're. But hey, at least she knows that he can split logs, yeah. <laughs> right? Well. I don't know. That's not. <laughs> no, I mean, that's a good thing to be able to do. I'm not yeah. making fun of splitting logs. It's just that it, I don't know. It, at this, at this point in the movie, the way they use it, it just seems like, yeah, it's... I don't know, like he, like a time has come for the a demonstration of his log splitting <laughs> ability. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I know a lot of women who would love to, <laughs> to watch guys split logs. Hmm. <laughs> oh. And now they're, uh, and again, they're in the truck together alone. Yeah, good isn't, point. Isn't that dangerous? I've had a lot of, you know, uh, not great, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know, temptation in cars when I'm by myself. Now, with a girl. <laughs> now, here's something that interests me is that, you know, they hear the lucky Chucky guy, who is his friend, of course, mm-hmm. and... Um, you know, you would think a guy like Clay, who is like really into the whole holiness thing and everything, would really be offended by what his friend has gotten into. But which is sort of the same thing he used to be into himself and broke away from and doesn't like anymore. Mm-hmm. But still, he's he's still okay. It seems like he's still okay with the stuff that Lucky Chucky does and says or. Did did you get that impression too? Is it just me? It just seemed a little strange to me. Yeah, it's it's because he I understand still being his friend because you 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 know you've been friends for years, and your friend got successful doing this thing that you used to do, and he just took it further, and you know, it. But I I don't understand like continuing to listen, uh, and again, and not saying anything about it really. Right. Yeah, I guess I guess the issue is, um, you know, this guy is like publicly being massively disrespectful of women, you know, saying really hurtful things to them and about them. How do you as a as a new Christian who wants to be respectful of women, how do you respond to that? And um, his response just seemed, or his non response, I guess you could say, just seemed strange to me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, romantic. Yes. Giving a woman your coat. I've done that yes. many a time. That is a very nice gesture. Oh, and then making her carry your bags? Ugh, that's bad. <laughs> Didn't he just give her a present or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, he gave her a present. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a little dark in this scene. At first I was like, wait, what? <laughs> a magnifying, he gives her a magnifying glass and what it seems to be... Oh, I, I missed what it was. I think it's a, a language tape. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I missed it too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say, um, that I like a lot of the costumes, some of the sets, some of the use of color and lighting in this movie. I, I think, I guess I would say, you know, as many issues as I have with some of the story and characters, I would say that technically um, there's there's some decent choices here. Yeah. And, okay, so they're, they're bringing up Sleepless in Seattle. Again, another movie that's <laughs> arguably better than, <laughs> than this one. Uh, and I, I don't know if he's, like, if they're trying to make him wrong because again, uh, earlier in the scene or earlier in the movie, she walks by a dress shop and she's like, "I'd love to own something like that." And he's like, "No, it's dumb or something." Whatever, however he responds, he responds negatively. And I, I, at first, I'm like, "Geez, like be nice to this girl," but then I think that's kind of the point to make him like not a nice guy. Like he's our hero, but he's still flawed because he thinks he's kind of better than other people people who would like dresses and here <laughs> and and here they you know he brings up sleep uh, they bring up sleepless in seattle and he kind of just poo-poos it and they played for that, a joke but i mean she likes it well now i will i will make this point though i actually <laughs> don't die of shock i actually thought he had a little bit of a point about bill pullman because um one thing that sort of stuck in my craw Sure. In that movie is that, you know, Bill Pullman is not a villain. He's a he's a nice guy, but he gets unceremoniously dumped so she can run off and have her and fulfill her romantic fantasy. And so <laughs> um, that always bothered me just a little bit about that. So I, I will say that Clay actually has a point about this. Now, I, I don't know. If he mean, if he meant to just poo poo the whole movie that she liked, I mean you know that wasn't kind. But um, as far as that one plot that, point or character in that movie went, you know he's not wrong there. Yeah, that's kind of true. And uh, again, you you like uh, old black and white movies, uh, mm -hmm. the Philadelphia Story. Kind of mm -hmm. like I love the movie because it's uh, Jimmy Stewart and uh, Cary Grant and they're fighting over uh, what what's her name? Um, Catherine Cather Hepburn. Yeah, Catherine Hepburn. And I'm like, oh, man, these two are great guys, completely forgetting the fact that the reason they're both there visiting her is because she's getting married to a third guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel really, really bad that this short kind of balding guy in that movie has to compete with Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant. It's tough competition. At, at least they do, um, towards the end, they do establish that he um that that Catherine Hepburn's fiance is he's like sort of narrow-minded and not understanding and not tolerant. So at least they give you a good reason yeah. that um somebody else should win out, but in Sleepless in Seattle, I just don't think that they they managed to establish that and so it, it was kind of kind of um a weakness there. Now, a date in a library. I I will say that I like this idea. I have I have done that. That is a good idea, guys. If that is an excellent seen. idea. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I live in Los Angeles, and the L.A. County Library is amazing, and there's a really great bookstore in downtown L.A. called uh, uh, God, what's it called? Um, the Last Bookstore, 
and I've uh, yeah I've taken you know my fair share of dates to each of those and always a success. That is a fantastic idea for a date. Yeah. Either one, library or bookstore. <laughs> and uh, now, wow, he owns a whole house himself. In the movie, uh, Clay is bringing uh, his grandma, and uh, you know, to uh, be, I guess, the uh, what do you call that? Uh, the chaperone. The, the chaperone uh, for him and Amber as he brings her over to his place. A big house. Why? Why doesn't his grandma live with him? I, I wonder. Sure. He could take care of her. I'm not sure. I, I don't remember if they ever into that yeah. but oh she's also helping cook as well as be chaperone so, <laughs> so but yeah it is a it is a nice house yeah from the uh, sea of it with ten commandments on his wall and she I mean she you know giving her credit she is super into the Bible. She actually, you know, enjoys it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, good for her. Yeah, gra- the grandma or the the great aunt or I'm not sure exactly what she is. Right. Anyway, right. she is sort of there to, I mean, besides chaperone and everything, she is sort of there to be the the sassy voice, <laughs> you know, the one that, <laughs> that pulls everybody back down to earth and sort of... Um, uh, tells them, you know, what they're doing wrong and how what they need to do and, right. and sort of gets them out of their own heads a little bit. So, yeah. And, and I, 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 well, I think we'll get more into that later when she comes back again, but um, she sort of plays an interesting role in all this. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, she, she is the wise, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, Yoda character, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That uh, you know knows the truths inside of Clay that he doesn't even know about himself, and yeah. Right. Now she's checking out his book collection. Flowers for Algernon. That that, that is a depressing story, if yeah. ever there was. Yeah. I wonder if there's any, like, I mean, what would you recommend be in his book collection? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I, I, I'd i be open to a pretty uh, wide range, really. I mean, if he had Fifty Shades in there, I think I'd run for the hills. Yeah, of course. But, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's it's nice that he, he's got, like, he seems to have a bit of a range there. I mean, even Flowers for Algernon is a good story, even if it is depressing as all mm. get out. Yeah. And of course, he still keeps a picture of his girlfriend in his old Bible. Uh, yeah. I think he does that yeah. to torture himself. Cause... I, I think you may have a point there. I, I think he's a little bit into the self flagellation sort of thing. Yeah, because he, he hurt her and he has tremendous guilt to the point that he can't allow himself to uh, get close to anybody else. Doesn't go to therapy because why do that? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, or a Christian counselor even. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, and as he said earlier, it's been nine years, and he's still sort of um, punishing himself over the whole thing. Yeah, and uh, still keeps her picture around just to, <laughs> like you said, self-flagellation. I mean, yeah. Okay, we've also got uh, confessions in there. Uh, Saint Augustine or. Augustine, I, I never know how to pronounce that name. Yeah, I think it's Augustine. like uh, Caribbean and Caribbean. It's it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I never know how to say that either. But yeah, no, uh, no but love in the time of cholera. No. Maybe, uh, okay, so, uh, hmm. Yeah, I mean, he he's uh, explaining right now how he's a changed person. He used and to be... And he's sort of interpreting this to hear, uh, to, um, he's like, you hear voices? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, again, again, that's a little bit of a difference, like, He's a Christian. He's dating a non-Christian, and and they they mean entirely different things by hearing voices. Right. Uh, and again, I should say I uh, I can relate to Clay a lot because I myself was a in my twenties a really really rough guy. I did drugs. I drank. Uh, not ex- yeah, excessively is relative. <laughs> I I date I dated women. I you know uh, I. Uh, I guess in country they call it running around with women. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and yeah, and I, for when I became a Christian for like the first year, I felt tremendous guilt about that, about who I used mm. to be and how I'm not good enough. And I didn't believe that. I believed that I w- that, you know, I was good enough to be saved. I understood that part. I just didn't believe that I was changed enough to be a good enough Christian. Mm-hmm. That I was still struggling, and it was. He just brought up the uh, the verse, "Therefore, whoever be in Christ is a whole new creature. Old things are passed away; all things are become new." That's actually the verse that helped me get over that and deal with the guilt. That oh yeah, I'm, I am a new person. I, you know, even though I'm still struggle, even though I still have temptation, every day is easier than the last. But I'm not completely different. But I'm working on it. But spiritually, through Christ, I am a different person. I am born again. And so I, I relate to Clay on some level, you know. Yeah. In that sense. I... That, that's really cool. I, pre- I appreciate your perspective on that because <clears throat> I sort of like grew up in the church. And so I don't have that that sort of um, perspective. I, I'm coming at it from like a whole different uh point of view so it's it's good to hear that and know that they are sort of getting that experience right even if um i mean even if they've had him carrying this guilt for nine years which seems excessive still Mm -hmm. um there there is some truth in that yeah the issue that i might have is that he is kind of a really great person or at least that's how they're portraying him to be he doesn't have temptation he knows the right thing to do he doesn't struggle with anything really other than guilt uh and so you know i yeah maybe i don't i don't know like again there's no journey for him because he 
that's, he's that's already well, arrived. That that's well put. And then oh, and then he, apparently he did a. Uh, it's called College Girls Exposed DVD, which is kind of like a Girls Gone Wild style, I guess, movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently, in his past, with when he was hanging out with Lucky Chucky, uh, he made a one of those horrible DVDs where cameramen go to a party and they ask women to take off their clothes for them. And uh, yeah, why, why, why was that guy not wearing a shirt? That's an excellent question. <laughs> They're at a bachelor party. But for those a... listening, we're, we're at the bachelor party scene now, and there was a random act of shirtlessness. Yeah, a guy just throwing on a, a button-down shirt. I guess they're changing to go to the... But there's like like 20 guys in here, 15, 20 guys. And I guess they're all changing together. Yeah, now, now um, what's about to happen here, I, I will... I will say that um, I appreciated where they went with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to give you a little background for that, one thing I'm really sick of on TV shows, and I know obviously that, that most people who make TV shows are operating from a different worldview than I am, but I'm really sick of the bachelor party stereotype on tv shows mm-hmm. where there always has to be a stripper or even at a bachelorette party sometimes there has to be a stripper <laughs> right and this is something that just like really really bugs me because they they just treat this as something so normal like the last thing you do before get married is you watch some other person take their clothes off that you don't even know and so the way that they handle this here where they make it they denormalize it, if you will. They yeah. say this is not a normal thing. This is not a good thing. Um, you don't want to be doing this. I appreciated that. Yeah. Um, I, again, I, being a guy, I used to go to strip clubs and I literally stopped going before I became a Christian because I felt so awful every time mm-hmm. I left because I just felt like I'm, I'm literally like I leave like with, about a hundred at least dollars like you know lighter uh and i didn't i don't know it's and then like i just feel like such a creep that i have to pay a woman to to do that for me and then when i left like the last time i went i i i was asking my buddy who i went with i'm like dude don't you feel like dirty leaving there like this like we didn't get anything out of it uh it was only fun while you're in there once you leave it's you know you're just the only thing that's changed is you, you know, you, you have less money because it's expensive. And then like, I, I don't know, like I feel just terrible. And he said, well, yeah, I mean, if you didn't feel a little dirty, then there'd be something wrong with you. And then I thought, well, why am I even doing this then? It's, it's really, I like, I, I can't imagine. Like I used to justify going to strip clubs because it's just a strip club. It's what all guys do, but I can't imagine it not being cheating now because mm-hmm. if, if a random, if, if I, if I was married and I went to a party or a get together and a woman, just a random woman does to me what strippers do to guys. And not that there's anything, I, 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 I don't know. There's nothing legal going on in there, but whatever they do, that would be cheating. Mm-hmm. If a random, but if you go to an establishment where you have to pay for it, all of a sudden it's not cheating. 
Yeah. And so Yeah, it, it's fascinating that you recognized something was wrong even before you became a Christian because it just shows that, you know, inside us we have these these um this understanding of you know, some things are just wrong. Right. And as much as it tries to get passed off in this culture as something normal and, you know, just a little bit of, of naughty fun and so forth, it, it deep down inside, you know, there's something really wrong with this. Right. Uh, the last time a, a buddy of mine invited me to a, um, to a, a bachelor party and yeah, he told me, yeah, we're going to a pool hall. Uh, then we're going to a cigar bar. Then we're going to a strip club. Then we're going to a steak dinner, a really nice steak dinner. Not unlike uh, these guys were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, cool, that's great. Let me know what strip club it is. And he told me. And then I looked uh, on Yelp and I saw that there was a bar across the street. So I let him know, listen, you guys can have fun at the strip club. I'll be at the bar across the street. Don't, you know, don't rush on the count of me. I'll be fine. And then they disinvited me because... They thought it was kind of not okay. It was kind of a little rude to not participate in the entirety of the fun. And I, I like, I, I don't know. Like, I maybe, maybe that is, I mean, wrong. Uh, maybe it, it, it is kind of a buzzkill, but I don't know. I, I just, I just no, couldn't. I, I think. I mean, you, you, you didn't try to, you know, stop them. You didn't try <laughs> to preach to them. You just, you just made an alternate arrangement, and they they were the ones that weren't okay with that. And, and I, I do find that kind of sad. I mean, yeah. that there was no reason why they should have done that. But um, the, the positive thing here is that at least he's finally realized uh, that Lucky Chucky is maybe not, <laughs> is, is maybe not really, um, I, I don't want to say such a, a good guy because he already sort of knew that, but, but he, he sort of crossed, finally crossed the line there where he realized, okay, yeah. This guy really does not respect women at all. Yeah, it, which you should realize before, but at least now he realizes. <laughs> yeah, th- but that was kind of a weird thing because he he left the the cl- he left the the, the hotel. Uh, everybody mad at him. Uh, had a confrontation with the stripper and the bouncer or the uh, you know the bodyguard. Uh, very scary guys, those guys. Um, and. You know, he. It seems like he was really struggling with something, with some sort of guilt, some sort of because she pushed him and said, "You think you're better than me," and walked away. Mm-hmm. And then he had like this really tense kind of moment by himself on the basketball court. I don't know what the conflict was, other than he's angry at his buddy Chucky. I, I, I it was a weird kind of reaction to that whole thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, maybe, I don't, I don't know, maybe he just felt guilty all over again because she said that you think you're better than me and he, he doesn't really think that. And I, I don't know. I, I think it, it just maybe pulled him back into an uncomfortable place or something like that. It, I, I agree. It's not made really clear. Yeah. Uh, again, guys, and, uh, they're in their truck by themselves out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it does seem like the rules only apply in certain very limited situations. Yeah, as long as there's no four <laughs> four walls and a roof. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, you know, here, here they are out in the field together and, you know. No chaperone. Anything could happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is romantic, right? A mm-hmm. nice flowery field and dancing to, you know, uh, romantic soft rock. And then they had to bring the book out again. Yeah. <laughs> it was romantic. <laughs> it was romantic until that. And she, poor, poor thing. She's like, and it was almost a normal date. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think you said something earlier about him, like sort of holding her at arm's length. And I think maybe he is using this book a little bit to do that. But then again, that sort of raises the question, is the book a good thing? Is it a bad thing? How is it being used? Again, that's a little bit muddled, like you said. Yeah. Again, again, so they're, they're making it sound like he's doing something wrong. They're making it seem like he's doing something wrong because she's saying, I want the, like, yes, the typical romantic stuff, the cards, the flowers, the, you know, the dancing, the all, I want it all. And you're not giving it to me, uh, you, you, you know, because you, you're because of all these silly rules. And so, and the re- the reason that that's not happening, I mean, according to the movie, is because of the the rules, because of the courtship. Mm-hmm. And so again, but but at the end, it turns out courtship is a good thing. Yeah. I, I, so it's it's strange. Yeah. Yeah, that um, that uh, the the whole thing about the sexual purity thing, I guess, can be brought up right now mm-hmm. because she's had sexual partners in her past, and uh, she's upset that he made her confess that. Uh, it's it's it is a strange thing because uh, I've uh, not dated as much as I uh, used to since uh, since I became a Christian. And the thing that comes up every once in a while is sexual purity. Sexual purity is really important to a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, in in the you know the, what we did in the past. And it's kind of you know I don't know. It makes me feel a little bad. That, yeah, <laughs> that's that, something. That's I, a shame. Yeah. I, I think um, I don't know. It, it's interesting. The movie takes this tack on it. Um, because I think a lot of people grow up in the courtship movement sort of thinking that God owes them somebody who is who was like sexually pure. I, I touched on this a little bit in the book, too. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, I think a lot of people, not to be too harsh, but I think a lot of people just need to grow up and get over that and realize that, and this, especially as you get to be my age, you know, where I'm in my early 40s, you are just not going to find a lot of people mm-hmm. who fit your like even if you've been sexually pure, you're not going to find a lot of people who um, who have been, and so you have to accept that. And and I, I guess you have to ask yourself, do you really believe that Jesus makes all people new, as, as you were saying, you know, that Jesus makes us new creations because that is what counts, right? Um, you know, we. Those of us who grew up in the church, you know, who who 
we're obedient in that way, we have a problem sometimes with thinking that, you know, everybody's supposed to be just like we are, but that's not how it works. And so I don't know if I'm putting this well, but what, what I'm trying to say is that I don't think God any God owes anybody, um, <laughs> you know, that perfect person who has lived just like they have lived and saved sex for marriage because, well, for, in the first place, God doesn't owe any of us anything. Right. And in the second place, if if you're a believer, then God has forgiven your sins and made you a new creation, and you are just as worthy as anyone else of finding someone to love. So, um, you know, I, I think in, in that respect, the movie, I mean, the, these are both people who have had sexually exper- sexual experiences, and so um, we're not dealing with the whole God owes me, you know, this kind of person or that kind of person. And so at least, you know, a lot of courtship has that problem, but at least we're not having to deal with that here because that, that, um, I mean, it's, it's just not a, a good message. Right. I, I, I posted on Facebook, this, uh, kind of an alternate story to the, uh, uh, to the adulterous woman that's brought to Jesus where he mm-hmm. says, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, go for, like, neither do I condemn you, go forth and sin no more. And she says, well, mm-hmm. how about my sexual purity? And Jesus says, like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah. And Jesus says, well, what do you, what? What do you mean? What, what are you talking about? He's like, my sexual purity, uh, that's still a problem, right? And he's like, no, mm-hmm. I died for all your sins. He's like, great, but except my sexual purity, right? Yeah. Because it is kind of like this idea that, yeah, that, like that's how we kind of treat it. Jesus died for all of our sins except when you had sex. Jesus doesn't cover that. Yeah, you're exactly right. A lot of people do that, and that that was so true. And I love that post because um, it's just such a wrong way of thinking. And if we really believe that Jesus forgives everything and we can trust Him with everything, then we can ask He forgives that too, and we can trust Him with that part of ourselves too. And it's people really really need to be more aware of that yeah again a weird motivation for the movie she's angry at him so she goes ahead and watches the girls gone wild style dvd that he made back in the day and it yeah i'm not really yeah i don't know why she did that yeah i don't know and again and she was really upset by it so i mean i know that that those DVDs, uh, they treat women horribly on them. He, I don't, I like, it doesn't really imp- imply that he did anything. Like, I mean, again, the terrible thing is, is that he filmed women taking their clothes off and probably women when they were drunk and mm-hmm. stuff. But just by looking at the cover, you know that, you know, just by knowing the kind of DVD it is, you know exactly what's on the tape. So she's, it made her even more upset. So... I don't, I don't know what was on that DVD that she didn't expect. Or even, again, even why she would do it to begin with. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I, I'm not sure either. Unless um, she was so mad at him that she wanted to watch something to make her even madder. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I don't know. Like, like again, it, it, it does seem like a weak motive. Like, it would be different if, like, she was angry at him. And then they gave her the DVD to show, well, that's the kind of guy he is. And she's like, why wasn't he more open with me about that? Why didn't he, 
Yeah. But yeah, that's that. That would I have been better. Mm-hmm. Now, now Clay's uh, regretting what he did, and he's trying to find her. She's at the bar with uh, my uh, pixie dream girl. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes over. Uh, not, not, neither of them realize that they're talking to Lucky Chucky. Uh, her friend bri- brings over Lucky Chucky to uh, to hook him up with uh, Amber. And, and by the way, speaking of things we don't get, I don't do not get Amber's dress here. From the back, it looks like a corset, and from the front, I don't even know what it looks like. Yeah, it's but, like a like a hippie gown on the front, but uh, I don't know, mixed with a little bit of Native American influence or something. <laughs> and any, I, I only uh, met, now now most of the time, like I said, I really do like the costumes, uh, her her clothes in particular, but mm-hmm. this this one was a misfire, and I'm not sure yeah. about that. But anyway. Um, yeah, this whole part of the movie with with all the misunderstandings and the <laughs> yeah, yeah, the threes, it, it, threes company style misunderstandings. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like um, it's like I don't know, sort of mediocre sitcom writing or something. <laughs> Problems that could be solved with a post-it note. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That is extremely well put. <laughs> and so now he's... See, this is interesting. I've had plenty of these nights, I think we can all relate, to sitting at home by ourselves eating chocolate <laughs> mm-hmm. in in the dark. Yeah. So it's good that uh, he's dealing with that too. <laughs> that it's not just us. It's not just that me. That is your <laughs> Although most people would have, uh, you know, a cocktail. He has chocolate. So here we have another doorway, which is very yeah. interesting. Very symbolic so, here. Lucky mm-hmm. Chucky gets to bring Amber home to his room to uh, have a nice uh, night of debauchery. And <laughs> she, she, her toes are at the doorway. And meanwhile... Meanwhile, across town, <laughs> uh, Clay's old girlfriend shows up at his door. Uh, and this is uh, this is a really uncomfortable kind of moment for Clay and uh, his ex-girlfriend. He's apologizing. He... She asks if she could come in, and he allows her to. Which, not strange. Uh, Normally, you would expect him to, like, you know, walk her to the couch. He sits on a chair, and they talk about what a terrible person he used to be. And she says, I'm over it. Thank you for apologizing. We've all grown. Uh, at the same time, Amber is still trying to decide whether she wants to cross the uh, <laughs> the threshold into Chucky's room. And uh, th- again, this is the strangest thing. This is incredibly overdramatic acting here. <laughs> he invites her in. Yeah. And he is like sulking against a wall. Yeah, and it's almost like she's comforting him right. uh, when he was the one that sort of that, that hurt her. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he is apologizing and all that. Right. But um, yeah, so so we have lots of uh, dramatic uh, <laughs> acting, as you said, and silhouettes and embracing and 
Again, so, this is obviously a guy writing his own movie because <laughs> these are two women who just throw themselves at him. <laughs> like it just... yeah i was thinking that earlier i i, I was i was sort of torn over whether to say it but uh yeah well like in the, the... sort of uh seems to have this uh mindset maybe a little bit <laughs> yeah like in the movie chef uh written by john favreau and starring john favreau directed by john favreau he has scarlett johansson and uh what's the other actress's name uh uh, she's from uh, uh, Modern Family. I, I don't remember. I don't, his ex-wife is like this gorgeous Latina woman, and he's got uh, Scarlett Johansson, a very sexy brunette Scarlett Johansson, who's also has the hots for him. And I'm like, of course, these two women like him. He wrote the movie. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, exactly. It, I mean, taking it to the extreme, there's also the Woody Allen syndrome with like all these gorgeous <laughs> young girls. I know, Woody Allen... <laughs> absolutely does that puts himself in the movies with like beautiful like intelligent women (laughs) and again here's the misunderstanding she amber comes over to clay's house and she sees his ex-girlfriend leaving his house and while we're like oh no what happened turns out he was in the truck sleeping so that they wouldn't be tempted (laughs) (laughs) yeah Again, again, this guy's a hero. He doesn't do anything wrong. He never does anything wrong. Even though she wanted to. I it's it's uh... Yeah. That it, it's so like this time he got to play the other role in their relationship. Remember the last time uh he was the one that sort of talked her into sex mm-hmm. when they were younger and now now he gets to be the one who is um, innocent, and I, I don't know. That never occurred to me before. But like maybe he needed to do to play out this reverse scenario where where uh, she was wanting it and he was. I don't know. I, that's that's a perspective before. Interesting. Yeah. Oh man, and Amber doesn't get invited to the wedding. I guess because they broke up. Yeah, they're having the wedding. Lucky Chucky's. Oh man, that would have been awkward, wouldn't it? Super awkward. If she, the the ex girlfriend was there, Chucky was there, Amber was there with, uh, you know, with Clay there pulling at his collar like, <laughs> well, you see, guys, <laughs> <laughs> funny to see you all here together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could have been uh, majorly awkward. Again, now I can't we see her reading her her Bible, um, <laughs> crying on the bed, and looking at the money jar. So they, they sort of set that up as, um, I guess maybe the Bible or faith offering a little stability, which is the opposite of of the whole save up gas money and hit the road kind of lifestyle she was into before. Yeah, yeah. As soon as the jar gets filled up with money, she she can use it to take off to the next town. She realizes that the jar is filled, so it's time for her to leave, but. You know, that's not a good thing this time. And again, again, she thinks, first of all, it's kind of like, you know, hurtful that he invited another woman into his house and didn't and hasn't invited her. So just that to begin with is bad. And she believes that maybe they slept together and she's coming back to him. I, I This is... 
I, is it is it wrong that I'm saying? Of course, this was written by a guy. <laughs> this is obviously <laughs> no, it's, through it's a guy's wrong. perspective. I mean, sometimes, sometimes these things just force yourself for, force themselves on your um, observation, um, and yeah, I, I think there are maybe some mixed messages going on. And he's still, like, not totally, you know, I, I don't know. He he still hasn't changed, and she's still trying. Bible girl. She still comes up with the worst nicknames. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Stress boy and Bible girl. The adventures of. <laughs> and it's, it's the early afternoon. That wedding reception ended very quickly. Unless he yeah, left, right. because he's such a, you know, killjoy. <laughs> and here he reveals, we didn't, I slept in my truck. She just slept in, I don't know, the bedroom. And again, and again, not to be nitpicky, but she left with all her luggage. Mm. <laughs> she literally brought all her luggage into the house to, uh... To seduce him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had noticed that. <laughs> like she didn't. She didn't leave it at the that hotel where she's staying at. She brought it all with her. <laughs> and here's the alternate idea, kind of teaching him. Nobody's perfect. Nothing is absolute. Love can be messy, and you know, so long as we're working on it. You know, if the things can be okay. Right. And no, nobody is above making mistakes. Yeah. God, never got his name. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very convenient. Because I, I guess she doesn't listen to the show because he would mention that he was off visiting a friend. And, you know, the next episode would be him talking about how he didn't get to hook up with the with the dream girl. Yeah. I think he calls her. <laughs> and she is on to something here that, um, you know, he, he makes... As as attractive as as uh, faith has become to her, mm -hmm. uh, he makes it sound impossible because, as much as he has embraced faith, he still carries the guilt around and he still lets it make him crazy and and um, saddle him with all these these rules and expectations and things. Yeah. Yeah. I... This isn't terribly done. The uh, the girls gone wild videos, shots, because it's a Christian film, so you can't show a lot. Mm -hmm. But you know that these women aren't, you know, having fun. You know that they're yeah. probably drunk, and the the orange light of a bar is obviously you know is present. So yeah, I, I don't know. I guess you get the idea of what kind of a video it is without showing much. Mm-hmm. I guess we're supposed to assume that she's moving out. 
because she, you know, she took down all the pictures from the cork board. Mm-hmm. Does she buy a new cork board every town she gets to? I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> if it were me, I would just keep all my stuff pinned to it and just cart it around with me yeah, as is. Wrap it but, in a blanket. Uh, and... I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, I, I, I would normally hate that character, but there's guys like that. There's literally shock jocks like that. So. Oh, there are. There yeah. are. And not just shock jocks. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of random, random guys... You know, on the internet, I was I was kind of surprised that Lucky Chucky actually admitted that uh, she didn't uh, sleep with him because I, I I just wouldn't think a shock jock would admit it. I would think he would try to make it sound like yeah, no, of course uh, he found a girl to fall into bed with him because that's who he is. <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. bet that surprised me a little bit. And then finally, this guy after. He's listening. Uh, the David, the uh, you know the, uh, Clay's friend, who's also friends with Chucky, listens to his show. He saw his daughter walking into the room, and he's like, "Oh yeah, maybe I shouldn't be listening to this." <laughs> yeah, re- realization tends to come kind of late in some of these cases, <laughs> but at least it comes in the end. Yeah, there, there's this um, movie called uh, Don John, uh, starring mm-hmm. um, uh, what's his name, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And it has an amazing scene very similar to that. It's about uh, porn addiction, this guy that would rather watch porn than have sex with women. And uh, mm-hmm. he meets a girl who's like like the most attractive woman, Scarlett Johansson. She's super sexy and super great. And so he's like kind of struggling with uh, a demanding girlfriend and his addiction to porn. But there's a scene when he, he visits his parents and he and his dad are like watching television in the background. They're they're in the dining room and they're watching TV in the other room, and one of those Carl Junior Carl's Junior ads come on. Mm-hmm. I think they're called Hard, Hardies in other parts of the country, but these sexy women in like bikinis eating hamburgers. Yeah, and it's like really this. Uh, I think it's a really great moment because they're watching it over their over their daughter. The dad's watching it over his daughter's shoulder. You know, and she's just sitting there eating her dinner, and he's just like looking past her, watching this really sexually explicit commercial about hot about hamburgers. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's a it's really a, a well well shot scene in that movie that a hamburger commercial has <laughs> women stripping for some reason. It's really yeah, it, dirty. I, I hear sometimes. Sometimes I hear dads say that they get embarrassed to watch the Super Bowl with their kids because some of the commercials are so bad, and I feel for them. That must be really, yeah, uh, really difficult oh. and really annoying. Yeah, I, I've been to plenty of uh, you know gatherings with my Christian friends to watch the Super Bowl, and we have to kind of, you know, either scoff or make it very clear that we are upset that a sexy commercial is on. Because they get they get rough, boy. It's, uh... Now I want to ask you about the great aunt here. Um, do you think she's being sort of a, a great aunt ex machina, if you will? I mean, she's <laughs> she she's just sort of the person who comes. In. I, I mean, I know she's already been established as the voice of wisdom and the voice of sass, so we know that about her already. Right. But she sort of provides the final 
push for him to get over himself. Do you, do you think that works or would you rather have seen him do this a different way? Or what do you think? I think it, it does kind of work, I suppose. Uh, if it wasn't such a perfect uh, bow, you know, like kind of gift bow ending, mm-hmm. you know, because again, it's, it's, it's a struggle. It's, it's, it's a journey. It's not like a destination as I don't mm. know, as, as they say. And so she's kind of, Again, like you like you mentioned, why he hasn't figured this out himself, we'll never know. Um, but this, like you're right, he, you know, he gets snapped. You know, I, I don't know. It's, it snaps him out of it. This idea that uh, you know God already died for your sins, Jesus already died for your sins. Uh, you don't need to live with this guilt. You know, it's pushing other people away, and you're going to end up alone and you're pushing this amazing woman, this great opportunity, this chance to be with somebody who actually cares about you. You're pushing them away because of your own insecurities. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I guess it's, well, I, I, again, I don't want to be one of those people that just trashes the movie so much, but I wish it was better written. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. But other than that, like, I don't know that then it comes to the end uh, not not quite yet, but I mean, if the ending were a little different, I would maybe be o- more okay with it. Mm-hmm. Again, very a very romantic scene coming up. God, this this guy's like Ferris Bueller <laughs> because he has the entire town helping him on this date. Now, another uh, question for you, because this is something I haven't made up my own mind about. What was it that drew her to faith? I mean, because I think we're meant to understand that she really does believe now. Mm -hmm. Was it his rules, his lifestyle, his being different? I mean, obviously it had something to do with him. She read the Bible on her own. Yeah, what was it exactly? I'm not sure, because again, it wasn't mm-hmm. like it wasn't like a study Bible. It was like a an old school King James, which uh, mm-hmm. not not the best one to start with <laughs> if you're not a a believer. Uh, you you would need a little help, I think. Uh, At least some good notes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some good notes some to good help you understand. Or, or whatever. Right. Instead of like just an old fashioned, you know, cardboard leather bound you know, sharp edged Bible, <laughs> the kind that you'll find in a, in a hotel. It, it, yeah. But she reads it and I, I, I don't know. I don't know what made her, especially because he doesn't go to church. Mm-hmm. He's, he should have found a church by now. Yeah. Another point I want to bring up, I, I'm thinking of all these things now, like as, as we're heading into the home stretch, all the, all these <laughs> things are coming to me now. Sure. Um, go ahead. Uh, before too too late, I guess. Um, and, and it sort of ties to something you said earlier about how how um, like all these women throwing themselves at him. But a lot of times, it seems to me, you know, courtship sort of trains the woman to be passive and wait for the guy to make all the moves and everything. Right. Um, but a lot of the stories, books, and movies, and sort that that come out of that tradition, 
by Christian writers who are endorsing the courtship movement, you see the woman sort of pursuing. And I, I'm interested, I mean, do they just think it makes for a better story? Is it sort of like an acknowledgement that maybe women aren't supposed to be all that passive that leaks out in their stories? I don't know. I I, I, I don't want to be cynical about it, but uh, perhaps it's because in Proverbs, a lot of these people make a, a big deal about the woman who seduces the man, the dangerous woman, the one that, you know, and so they kind of make it and like, you know, the guy is the stoic, you know, intelligent, like peaceful one. And mm-hmm. the woman comes in to try to, to win him over. And so, yeah, I, I think that that might have something to do with it instead of like a woman who's not as interested or, you know, or hasn't, you know, isn't, uh, I, I, cause I, I don't know, maybe if they had a, a story where the guy pursues a woman, it, it would be, I mean, it would be more towards what they believe things you should would be think like. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So here we have uh, the, the final, you know, moment of the movie. Oh, green light. That's very clever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I missed the, the last time. Um, now, I, I will say that I did like the bit with the nail polish um, where, you know, on, on this little date he arranged for her, part of it was her going to get her nails polished because because of uh, what that guy did to her earlier, breaking her breaking her hand or her arm because yeah. she polished her nails. So that, I mean, I, I did like that little bit. That was sort of like making up for, for what she, she went through before. That, that was a nice gesture. Yeah. So look, look, everything he did for her, he, uh, he got her a dress. He got her an appointment at a nail salon. Uh, he got her a chaperone and then got a local, <laughs> uh, you know, band to play. Uh, romantic music for them and then got the supermarket to close down so he can make a trail of sand <laughs> lined with candles this again he's ferris bueller he can get his town to do anything <laughs> like they all love him so much even though they all kind of you know think he's strange yeah i i, I he's a small business owner so i guess he could afford it now this pose right here, yeah. where he's he's got the fedora <laughs> down over his face. Yeah, I was so reminded of the "I Kissed Dating Goodbye" cover right there. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. Kind of a, which is an association that I guess some people will like and some people won't, because uh, it has that famous pose, you know, on the on the front cover with the the guy with the hat pulled down over his face. Right. <laughs> oh, jeez, again. With this pretty girl and stress boy. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I better do it. That's, again, it's still early, guys. Still early yeah, in the relationship to Yeah, that is a little weird. <laughs> like, a, <laughs> she sort of pushes it back. <laughs> I guess they had to go with the uh, stress boy because they can't call him like anal boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, right? <laughs> All right, you are. Because that's what he is. He's kind of 
Pretty much. This is bizarre. He's proposing. That's like I I don't know. Is that I don't know if they're ready. <laughs> yeah, I know, but but see the whole implication I guess is that by the time you've done the whole courtship and you've got to the point of making big romantic gestures and it's time to get married, which um does I mean, he was the one who was so worried about not getting to know somebody well enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> this this makes me laugh a little bit because obviously they they sort of want to have it both ways. Mm-hmm. They, for the people that don't believe in kissing until marriage, they want to respect them. But for the people who do want to see them kiss, they want to play to that. So they sort of do this awkward you know thing where did they, didn't they? You can't tell whether they kissed or not. <laughs> Well, I, I guess the less kissing is kind of the better, or the more romantic, because I got to say, one of the best kisses in movie history was in uh, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, where Jimmy Stewart and, is, like, with the, you know, the girl that he likes, and they're on the phone with another guy. Yeah. And he, like, says, I don't, like, he's angry at her, and he says, I don't want plastics, and I don't want ground floors, and I just want to leave, mm-hmm. I don't want to be here, and then he, like, kisses her twice, but it's so passionate that it's like, wow, that is like, that is very like, you know, sexy and romantic and kind of like a great kiss in movie history. Yeah. I think. Uh, but again, I, I I don't know. He, uh, I, okay, so there, there's the movie. I don't know if you saw it. I didn't see it, but um, uh, he's just not that into you. Have, have you seen um... that one? I don't think I did see that. Okay. Because it was written by a comedian that I like called Greg Barrent. Oh, no, he didn't write it. Uh, he wrote the book. Uh, he used to work for Sex and the City, and the, you know the whole I, he's not that into you comes from that. And at the mm-hmm. apparently he's describing, I mean, spoilers, I guess, but I, I didn't see the movie. But he describes how at the end the guy makes this big gesture where he goes after the girl who, you know, I don't know, he wronged somehow. And then when she sees him, they kind of like embrace and then they end up together. And it's a romantic end. But he says if, if if it was really going by the book, what would happen is like, okay, I appreciate that you did this, but you need some growing up to do. You need to really show me that you're ready for this because the way you've been acting the last couple of months is not okay. And so mm-hmm. if you're serious about this, you need to show me that you're ready to grow up. And I kind of feel that's the same way here. Mm-hmm. If 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 she's if they want like a romantic kind of or a, a healthy marriage, then she has to say, okay, listen, let's put the wedding on hold, and let's make sure that we are both in the right proper place to really have a healthy relationship. Because mm-hmm. I I don't see them. I I I see it going very poorly, I guess. If 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 they don't deal with some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I um. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It just. Again, it it sort of feels like they're sort of trying to. Have their cake and eat it too, maybe. Like they they want the, the big romantic ending, but have they. Has the movie really earned it? Yeah. Huh. Well, that's the end. Uh, any final thoughts? 
uh, gosh, we, we covered a lot here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it is a two-hour movie. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> two hours. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, I, I was really struck by what you said about about um, not quite knowing what the point was or the intentions or the motivation or anything. Um because this whole courtship came out of his rules and his sort of fears and his guilt and all these things. And, and a lot of those things are shown to be bad things that are sort of dragging him down. But then that's what their whole courtship has been based on. So like, and that, that led to a good ending. So was that, was that wrong? I mean, it, it, it does, it does get some things confused and I don't think it ever really quite sorts it out. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just, just a, I I don't know. Uh, the the guy's not an actor. He's a director and a writer. Mm-hmm. I, I think he I don't know. He needs to partner up with somebody to 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 show him how to make kind of you know the point a little bit more clear. To write a yeah. little bit more uh, more of a journey for the character, a growth for the yeah. character, or something. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, again, um, a I think on some levels a better showing for uh, many Christian films. Uh, Christian films get uh, a lot of uh, criticism. I again, we we obviously <laughs> pointed out a lot of problems that we have with it, but it, it's it's an improvement on some stuff. <laughs> yes, that sounds. Too- yeah, I, I just you know you know we we do uh, we do walk a fine line here because I mean. We, we want to encourage Christians in the arts, but we want them to do the best work that they possibly can. And a lot of it, I think, almost involves going to, going back to the very root, uh, the very basis of why we're in the arts in the first place and what we want to accomplish and what it means to be in the arts. And, and it's hard. It's got to be hard. I mean, I know um, a lot of the entertainment industry is uh, sort of opposed to a lot of the views that Christians tend to want to bring with them, and and there's there's a lot of clashing there, and and it's hard. It, it it's it's got to be really difficult. Mm-hmm. I I respect anybody's effort to try to get into that field who who is a Christian, but um, I think we just have to keep pushing yeah. for for uh, stronger work, for better work. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess that's uh, that's the end of uh, of the the episode. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah, this is really great. And uh, again, uh, talking about this movie and just uh, you know how Christians approach dating in general, I think that it's a really important conversation to have. And uh, I don't know I'm glad that I was able to have it with you. Uh, again, uh, Gina Delfonso, uh, writer of One by One, welcoming the singles into your church. I will have your uh, social media stuff on uh, the previous uh, the coming attractions episode, uh, but where can we find you online if we'd like to check you out? Oh sure. Um, well, I'm on Twitter at Gina Dalfonso, G I N A D A L F O N Z O, where you can often find me tweeting about movies, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I I'm at uh, breakpoint.org where I'm editor and I do a lot of writing for them. I also do a lot of writing for Christ and pop culture. So um, you can basically find me around the internet. 
All right. Cool. So thank you very much again for com- for being here. And uh, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode, whether you watched the movie with us or not, or maybe you skipped ahead because it's a two-hour movie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, until next time, I will just like to say the time to make up your mind about people is never. You've been listening to the Commentarians Podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thecommentarians. Thank you for listening, and until next time, remember, movies are a reflection of our lives and of other people's lives, and we get to experience them together. Come back to the movies with us. We love sharing them with you.